Well, I want to I want to start off uh, just by talking about uh, uh, sports for a little bit. Are, are you a sports fan today? If you're not, you're going to have to tolerate some sports in here. And this this, this little story I want to start out with today it really doesn't have uh, it really is not in the Bible, but we're going to get to the Bible today. I feel like sometimes it's good to kind of get a mental picture of of what we're trying to what God's trying to get to us in His Word. And so uh, let's let's talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. Maybe you're not a Mizzou Tiger fan. Do we have any Cardinal fans? Okay, okay, good. We got a couple. All right, so I'm starting to win some friends over today. I know I alienated myself by saying negative things about KU, but okay. So in St. Louis, we have uh, one of the most decorated baseball teams of all time. We have the second most World Series championships, only second to the Yankees, who who basically buy World Series titles. <laughs> uh, that's another story. But our stadium, there was an old Bush Stadium that they tore down, I think around 2005, and they built a brand new Bush Stadium. And the new stadium holds about 44,000 people in seats, standing room only several thousand more people. And, and so it's a lot of people to be in one stadium. And everyone there is not all on the same page. There's usually some, some fans from out of town or people that are pulling for the, the other team. And, but there was a day in August a few years ago that I decided it was a bad decision. How I many know August in, in, in the middle of America is not a great day to spend an afternoon ball game under the sun in a concrete oven? That's basically what Bush Stadium turns into, you know? The concrete's hot. You can feel the heat come in all directions. And it was, it was probably about the seventh inning, and my kids are begging for the most overpriced ice cream in the world called Dippin' Dots. I'm like, it's not going to satisfy you. I've held off as long as I can. I, I, I've started out drinking water. I'm like trying to be healthy. I'm just drink water. Drink water. I've given in to the $44, 44-ounce Dr. Pepper. You know, anything to try to stay cool. How many of you have been in a, in a game like that or an environment like that? You're like, whatever it takes. Like you're, you're going to the bathroom and you're getting little paper towels. You're dipping them in your soda to tap on your forehead, you know. It was that kind of sweltering, humid day where you could feel like you could slice the air in half. And, and, and this lady down our row, she stands up and she says to our section, she says, we are going to do the wave. <laughs> and I sat there with my Dr. Pepper and said, you are going to do the wave. Dan is not about to do the wave. You know, the game was boring. It was one of those pitcher's duels where no, there's no hits, there's no home runs, and it's just sweltering. And I'm thinking, no wonder why my wife decided not to come. She was much wiser than me. And so this lady, she, she counts down. One, two, three. Woo! You know? And, and this is about what it felt like. I'm the woman, and you responded like I, I did. And she looked at all of us with disgust when we sat in our chairs and kept drinking our Dr. Peppers and eating our Dippin' Dots. And so she waited a couple of minutes. She stood back up. She said, come on, everybody. We're going to do the wave. Come on. And I was like, oh, bless her heart. How many know bless your heart's never a good thing when someone says it? If someone says bless your heart, they don't mean that nice. Okay, maybe in your small group, right? And so she goes for it again. She goes a second time. One, two, three. Woo! You know, and this time two or three more people stand up. We're like, golf clap. 
happy for you, sweet sister. And so she, uh, she, she doesn't wait long this time. She just keeps coming with the, like, come on, we're going to do it again. And this time she starts, what does she do? She doesn't just talk to our section. She's been emboldened because two or three other people have joined her now. And so she starts to talk to the section to her right and starts to yell at the section to our left. And, and she counts down again, one, two, three. And guess what happens? This time, a bunch of people in our section do it. And then it, it spreads, and we actually get a few people on the other section. I didn't participate, though. I had determined in my heart, I am not going to be one of those people today. This is silly. This is childish. I will not, I am too dignified for this. But you know what? Before long, that wave went from our section to the next section and the next section, and it went all the way around the stadium. And you know, when it got back to our section, guess what I did? I joined in the fun. How many of you know sometimes we're like that spiritually? We're like, no, 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 yes. She had started a wave of enthusiasm, of passion, and, and I was not an early adopter. I was a late adopter. But, but when it got through our section, you know, and it went on by, guess what I claimed when I got home to tell my wife the story? <laughs> our section. Our section, we, we started the way. How many know you take credit after like, whoa? Yeah, our section got it started. No, 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 no. She got it started, and she affected 44,000 people. And she was undeterred by everyone else's lack of enthusiasm and passion. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this at, at, at a game, but it, it actually turned into a double wave where it went around this way, and it also went around this way, and it met on the other side. How many know we were double wave people? I took a picture. I pulled out my phone. I was nervous to take a picture, but this is a little photo of her. Do we have that little picture? Boom, there she is. Do you see the enthusiasm? Do you see the enthusiasm? What you don't see is the three empty beer cups that have been emptied out. How many know sometimes it takes a little extra to get in, in to that level of enthusiasm? You say, Pastor, what, what, what's your point of all this? My point is today, here's the title of my message, I'm a wave starter. I am a wave starter. God has called each and every person in this room, every person that knows Jesus Christ as your Savior. He doesn't want to leave you and just giving you insurance, fire insurance from hell. He wants to give your life a purpose and a destiny, and you've got to grab hold of that. And once you get that plan, it's not to live isolated, but to be connected to others and to influence others towards Christ, towards eternity, towards heaven, towards life, towards an abundant life. And, and we don't, we, we're not inebriated with alcohol, but he's given us the Holy Spirit's power. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to endue you. He's going to pour out on you with power so that you can go affect the world. So let me ask you today, what wave do you need to start? What, what wave is maybe God dealing with you about to start? It might be a wave of, of passion for God's house. And you've got friends at work that they just think church is silly and that's old-fashioned and faith in Jesus is, you know, that's for elementary kids. Maybe it's a wave of faith and enthusiasm 
towards God's house. Maybe it's a wave of financial freedom in your family. It could be your family for generations has been stuck in poverty and, 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 and your family hasn't been able to do what is really in their heart to do. You know, we have such a good father that he provides and he wants to give us more than enough so that we can stop worrying about just paying our bills, but we can look at being a blessing and then building the kingdom of God and helping other people that don't have as much as us. Come on, how I mean, that's God's definition of blessing. Maybe it's breaking that generational cycle of never having enough in your family. It, it might be breaking a barrier. And, and some people have said, you'll never be able to get there. You're like, no, I'm going to be like that woman. I'm going to be undeterred in my enthusiasm, and I'm going to start a wave. I'm going to break through this barrier. And I could go on with many, many other examples. You see, I believe that God has called every person in this room to live a life of significance, to live a life of impact, to live a life of influence, and to be a leader. I'm not a leader, Pastor Dan. No, you are a leader. You just haven't discovered it yet. The truth is you're affecting some social scientists. They, they've studied, and, and these, these, these uh, studies, some of them say like around 20,000 up to 30,000 people that every person will impact and influence in their lifetime. Say, so I don't live an influential life. Yes, everything you do. Every person you talk to, every conversation you have or you decide not to have, you are influencing, you are impacting the people around you. So maybe you just haven't become aware of it. I'm here today. God sent a big, loud reminder from Missouri. Woo, go Tigers. Hey, you're a leader. You're an influencer. You're called to be a wave starter. You're not called just to take life as it comes. You're to take life as it comes and, and take the temperature. That's called a, a thermometer. But God's called you to be a thermostat to set the temperature. Like, I know it's frigid in here and people aren't really loving each other, but, but I'm, I'm a child of God and we give love to every person no matter wh where their background is, what they look like, where they've come from. No, we're going to set an atmosphere of love in here and acceptance. We're going to change the temperature in the room. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm looking for an amen today. Can't hardly find one. <laughs> if you haven't noticed yet, I... I I cut my teeth in ministry preaching in prison and to middle schoolers. How many know they'll talk back in prison to you? Especially if you say Jesus came to set the captive free. They really love that. You'll get an amen on that one. <laughs> we're going to have fun today. If you're, new, if you're new to this church, this is a life-giving church where we're comfortable laughing at ourselves and we're, we're okay enjoying God. Maybe you haven't been in an environment like that. It's been a little more stuff, stuffy, a little more like that. Look, just relax. God created all of us unique. And, and if you don't think God's a fun God, just look around the room and everybody's, yeah, we all look funny a little bit, right? Yeah. Let me give you a few scriptures today to think about and chew on. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus told the disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Well, we just want to, like, right here, Lawrence. Nope. You have a mandate on your church to impact the, this, this entire planet for Jesus Christ. Like, I've never heard of a church that when a first-time guest comes, first-time guest, we're not just going to receive and, 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 and welcome you into our church, but we're going to start thinking about how to feed another child. Where, where do you come up with that? Who comes up with that? A church that understands their mandate from God. They've been given a giant permission slip to impact the world. 
to go into all the world, not just to be comfortable here. Aren't you thankful for a church like that? I'm thankful for a church like that. And you're in it. <laughs> you're in a church like that. You see, a mandate is, is different than being give, given simply permission to do something. It's more of permission to do it, but, but you've been given an assignment. It's a task. It's a directive. It's a command from God. Like, it's one thing if I, if I put a little, I go to, uh, you know, AutoZone and I get a little spinny security light and plug it into my cigarette lighter and I get a little, uh, 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 a little bright light, flashlight and stick it out my window and on Saturday night I go find some stoners out there kind of driving down the highway a little sloppy and, and I put my little light on there and I, and I act like a police officer. How many know that would be a fun thing to do? shine that bright light, pull them over, just see how long they'll sit there till they pull off, right? And if I walked up to the window, I said, hey, I want to see his license and registration. If I do that without authority, that's called what? It's a crime. It's called impersonating. I just need to make sure you know the laws here, right? Impersonating a police officer. Because you've not been given authority to do that. I mean, maybe they're driving drunk, but it's not your place to, to pull them over and and you don't have authority to do that. You don't have a mandate to do that. But if you had a sheriff's badge, if you were deputized, you'd have the authority to do that. It would be your responsibility to do that. And here's what I want to encourage you in today. Some of you that think, it's not my job to live a life of influence, Dan. It's not my, it's not, it's not my responsibility. No, it is. God, God has given you a mandate to infect the world with the love of Jesus Christ. God, God has given you a mandate, a command, not to sit, oh, we got our building now. Time for the lazy boys. I'm so glad we got these padded chairs. Now we can have a comfortable church. I hope that your pastors keep a spiritual zapper underneath them, that when you get too lazy and get too sitting back and too thinking about yourself, that there'll be a little spiritual zapper that can go off and help you get up out of that chair and go home and go make a difference in somebody's life. It's a mandate. Come on, everybody say a mandate. All right, 1 Peter, let's look at this one, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 through 10, and this is from the Message Bible. He says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. That doesn't sound like an accident. You've been chosen to be a holy people. You're God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him to tell others of the night and day difference that he made from you. He took you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Wow. God's, God's called you. He's chosen you to be his voice in the earth. Let me remind you of that today. You say, Dan, I, I just don't, I don't have what it takes. Okay, let me remind you what Pastor Justin said. As part of this theme that we're in right now. He said, his power is with me so that I can attain what is beyond me. His, his power is within me so I can, I can obtain what is beyond me. If leadership feels too far away from you, living a life of influence just seems like that's for other people. That's for the front row crowd, Pastor Dan. No, no, no. God's put his power within you so you can obtain what is beyond you. Mm, let me chew on that. How many know your pastor is an amazing writer? Amazing thinker. That's, that's an amazing thought. This is not beyond you. It is within your reach. So what's the problem? The problem is that we, we get to fifth grade and we've been told to sit down and to shut up for 
for the, about the last eight years of our life that by the time we get to middle school, we conform. It starts out with, though, we have a little baby. And, oh, look, he's crawling. He's rocking. How many of you know that new baby parent stage? Oh, he's rocking. He's thinking about crawling. Oh, he takes his first step, and we're like, you know, Instagram mania, Facebook. It's like everybody needs to know. We got a walker. Oh, saying, Dada, Mama, Mama. Oh, looky, looky there. Oh, he's walking and talking. <laughs> and then they turn three. Sit down. Sit in your chair. Don't you dare get up. Come on, somebody. Just make it too much noise. Shh, shh. And we get domesticated to being quiet. Sitting down. Don't speak up. And don't stand out. And you, you feel awkward about yourself. No, 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 no. No, you're not to be those people. You're the children of God. You have the power of God in you. He puts you on this earth to be like the woman saying, no, we're not doing that. I'm going to be a wave starter. We can't give in to the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, not on your own, but the power that's in you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. Take it. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, get your attention fixed on God. You'll be changed from where? Come on, the power comes from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God doesn't do that. What does he do? God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you, or we could say that God pulls me up. Let me ask you, are you, are you ready to start a wave? I hope you are because you were made to start a wave. You weren't made to fit into the world. You're different. You're God's kids. You say, I, I, I just can't do that. I, I can't do this, Dan. Okay, I'm going to keep coming after you that don't think you can. Deuteronomy chapter 30, one of our verses here at the church for this season that we're in, Deuteronomy 30 says, not, now what I'm commanding you is not too difficult for you. God says, what I'm demanding of you right now, it's not too much for you you can do what I'm asking you to do. You know, they say that the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. I don't think I would ever want to try that. <laughs> but if it seems so big, you don't start with the whole stadium. Start with your section. Starting a wave is not, I'm going to get the whole world to know Jesus. It's, I'm going to share my faith this week with one person. And I'm going to be looking for one person to share the life of Jesus with. I'm going to look for one person that I can be a bringer and I can, I can invite them to come to the house of God and sit with me and share my faith with them and share my awesome church with them. I'm going to have one conversation with a friend who's discouraged, who's going through a hard time. I'm going to text one person 
this week. Are, are y'all with me? I'm trying to get real practical here with what God's looking for. He's not looking for us to change the world. He's looking for us to influence one more person. It's one more conversation. You know, we, we often underestimate the power of our influence, don't we? You can think about a person who's had a big impact on your life. It probably wasn't in a big, loud moment that they had a big impact on your life. It was probably a simple conversation. They may not even known how much their words of encouragement meant to you. Come on, we can all find one person to encourage this week. If that happens, I will feel like I've done my job as, as, as a friend to your church. If this church this week will, will just encourage, if every person here will encourage one other person on this planet and help them get closer towards God or closer towards God's plans for life, then I can go home happy. So let me ask you, will you all be willing to start a wave? All right, let's do it. Let's do it then. Then let's do it. We're going to actually do it right now this morning. We're going to go from the front to the back. Y'all ready to do it? Now remember, I got to remind you that waves are not just simply arm motions. That you have to fight gravity with your legs. And you also have to attach a sound to it. It's, it's, it, that's pretty good, but it needs to be a little bit louder than that. So maybe you've never done this in church, probably haven't. We're going to do the wave. One, two, three, front to back. Woo! Looky there. It's like a double wave all of a sudden. <laughs> So let me give you let me give you some little little thoughts on how do I start a wave? How do I live a life of influence? Okay, here's the first one. You've got to decide and declare. Decide and declare. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, This day, here's what God did. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. And I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. I love that God doesn't only give us the exam, I am going to test you, but he gives us the open book and it's a bumper sticker answer, now choose life. He's like, you got two options, but here's the right choice. How many of you appreciate a good teacher? I don't want to leave this uh, ambiguous for you to try to figure out. You got to decide that you're going to go down the right path. No, no one uh, graduates from college without first deciding I'm going to go get a college degree. No one decides to work somewhere without first deciding to fill out an applicant. You got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. I am going to do this. So it starts with decision. And then the second part's very important, and that's to declare. This is that we will not be silent kind of spirit. It's one thing if I decide something. It's another thing if I tell Pastor Justin about it, and he holds me accountable about it. See, the, the enemy loves for us to make ourselves promises. But when we take that promise and we tell someone else, now there's power in it because someone else says, no, I heard you declare that you're going to get out of bankruptcy. No, you told me that you're going to quit spending so much money on all this stuff that's not necessary and you're going to get yourself to a point where you can tithe. You told me you were going to do that. That happens when we declare it. Y'all tracking with me? I hope this is helping you today. Joshua 24, verse 15. There's a, there's a we spirit that's added in to it. He, this is where he says, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say we. Yes. See, when you declare it, it goes from me to we. Yes. It goes from me to we. Think about Proverbs 18, 21. It says the power of it. The, that the tongue holds the power of life and death. And those who love it, will eat its fruit, eat the good of it. 
So when you get a we thing going on, now you've got agreement with someone else. Someone else is in it with you. And now there's accountability, there's encouragement, and it's much more likely to happen when you decide and declare. Can we say that? Decide and declare. A little song, if you grew up in church, maybe you heard this one. This is the day, this is the day that the that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. Okay, no, no, it's not I will rejoice. That's not actually doctrinally sound. Let me challenge the Sunday school theology. <laughs> Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There are times that my wife and I have to say to our five amazing children, we are not going to be negative. We are going to be thankful for the tater tots we have and the chicken mom made. You is going to like it. <laughs> right? Like there, There's times that you, you're going to have to go in the break room and be like, we are not going to keep gossiping about our boss today. We are going to be thankful for the job that we have. Let us. That sounds like uh, somebody that understands their influence. I love, I love the question to ponder, one of the questions to think about in this season within our reach, this question of who can I bring into the process with me? Who can I get to get in? Who is on the outside that I need to make a decision? As for me and you, we are going to serve the Lord. As for me and you, we are going to go to a small group together. How many of you have ever been signed up by, for something by a friend? Okay, this is one of my challenges to you. Get someone who's not signed up for a small group. Help them find their circle. Text them and let your girlfriend know, I signed you up for Bible study on Thursday night at this time. Hey, young adult, I signed you up, friend, for the college group on Sunday night. I just went ahead and signed you up. I'll see you tonight at such and such a time. That's called starting a wave of helping people find their circle. Come on, we're not, we're not doing life alone. We want to help people be included. We win together. We don't go at this thing by ourselves. Here's another tip. We guard and we refrain. So we decide and declare, and then we have to guard. The Bible says in 2 Timothy to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. So God's spoken to you about starting away. You got to like hold on to that. Don't let anybody sway you and then get moving in that direction. But guard the good things that God's given you. How many of you got a great environment as a church here? You got to guard it. Somebody comes in, they start being rude to new people. You're like, hello, we don't do that here. Snob-free zone. You're acting like a snob. I am guarding the good environment of a welcoming, friendly church that feels like heaven. Stop it. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening, right? Go 1990s on them. You got to guard it. You got to guard good things in your home. Sometimes a wave is stopping things. Sometimes it's not speaking up. It's being silent. Jesus is being beaten to death. He's going through all the torture for you and I. The Bible says he uttered not a word. So equally as powerful as speaking up, sometimes it's shutting up. You're going through a hard time and you just say, you know what, I'm not going to complain to God. God's been faithful. God's taken me through this for a reason. I'm going to guard my mouth. I'm going to put a guard, a governor on my tongue. I'm going to hold my peace right here. I'm not going to let the world have my peace. I'm going to stay in peace. I'm going to guard my peace. How many know God gave us peace? We, we lose it places, but he's already given it to us. 
We got to guard the good things. I could go on the whole long list there and refrain. We got to refrain, hold back sometimes from speaking. Sometimes that's the most powerful thing that we can do. And the last tip today is, is to stir and spur. <laughs> stir. What does it mean to stir? Well, just think about making cookies. You put the eggs in there and the sugar in there and the flour and probably some vanilla extract and some butter and some chocolate chips. If you simply just pour that bowl onto a pan and put it in the oven, we don't have chocolate chip cookies. We have something that no one wants to eat. But you mix all those ingredients together, you have to stir them up. You got to stir them up first. How many of you know that's the way to cook? You got to stir it up. And so Paul reminds Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I came today to stir up. There's some gifts sitting inside of some of you and you're holding on to the chocolate chips and you're not letting them get stirred up in the body of Christ. And you got something sweet about you. There's a gift that God's given you that God intends for you not just to use on your job or not just to use in other places of influence, but God intends for you to make a difference right here in this house. And you hear about essentials, and you're like, I'm not going to essentials. It is essential for me not to be in essentials. I will not get involved in this church. No, I came today to stir up the chocolate chips and say, this church doesn't have the right amount of chocolate chips in it, and we need you to get your, your chocolate chips in the cookie. <laughs> stir up the gift of God. Another verse, Hebrews 10, 24 says, Spur, let us consider how we may spur, not ourselves, but now this is how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The question isn't, have I just stirred up myself, but now am I spurring other people on to accomplish more than they thought they could? How many know that sounds like revival? My church, growing up, they pray for revival. This is what revival looks like when we start moving and acting and encouraging, sending text messages and praying for and inviting and bringing and picking up and giving and sacrificing and serving and going and taking mission trips and giving for mission trips. And like, and you're going to do awesome in, in that country. You're going to do awesome in your small group. I don't think I can lead a small group. I just feel so small. Okay, it's called a small group. You'll do awesome. Come on, somebody. This is what God's called us to be wave starters. Not act like we got it figured out, but let his power come. Fill us. It's within our reach.